We should let people know. I know some people have missed our audition hero training uh, where we spent three days helping actors step into their role, their, step into their dream role as an audition hero. If you missed that training, you can access all three recordings. Uh, you can get the replays, instant access to that by going to laughingvikings.com slash audition hero. We had actors all over the world join us for that. Uh, and many of them ended up joining Actors Audition Club after that training. But you can access that training for free at laughingvikings.com slash audition hero. And we'll help you finally step into your dream role in 2022. Laughing Vikings Live. High vibe chats with actors, comedians, and creators. Plus stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, and most importantly you that's right join us every monday for new episodes and you can be a part of the show on facebook live youtube live and twitch ask questions and interact in the comments and make sure to share this with your actor comedian and creator friends so they can be a part of the show too can't make a live show no problem you can catch up on your favorite podcast platform and visit laughingvikings.com to find out how you can join the cast and crew all right it's time for today's show Buckle up and make sure you stick around to the end because we have a special surprise for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Laughing Vikings Live. Happy Monday, fun day. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. We are at episode 78. We're almost up to four score of podcast episodes i'm lars that's the bk broiler how you doing bk i'm doing fantastic lars it has been a good weekend here at the studio although i am not in the studio right now i am at my home <laughs> yes yeah it's been busy uh we've got uh the tv film industry in toronto heating up so the mm -hmm. studio naturally is getting busy with tv and film auditions and then we always have a ton of commercial auditions coming through and uh, how are you, Lars? Where are you right now? I am deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, I figured I'd come down here. Um, uh, we needed a few supplies for the studio, namely oil, guns, and ammo. Nice. So I uh, took a little road trip. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back in. Uh, I'll be back in Canada as of Friday or Saturday. So yeah, a little. Little March break vacay down here in Tejas. Nice. So I had uh, a great, uh, great American road trip last week. Drove from Toronto to nearly Houston in about three days. So I mm -hmm. drove through Columbus, Ohio, past Cleveland, Ohio, through Cincinnati, through Louisville, Kentucky, through Nashville, uh, Tennessee, then through Memphis, Tennessee, then through Little Rock, Arkansas where I ran into, I think, what Little Rock would call a blizzard, although it was not really a big deal for us Canadians. Uh, <laughs> still weird to see snow in, uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, I think. Um, yeah, so it was beautiful drive, smooth sailing, bombed down here. This is Luna's first trip outside of Canada, too, so she's a national pug. Um, and um, I, love, I love being on the road. I love sightseeing. I'm, a lot of people would be like, oh, my God, you drove that that far in that amount of time is 2,500 kilometers to get down here. And um, I pretty much drove straight. The only reason I would stop was to use the bathroom, grab food or grab gas. Uh, but one of my favorite interactions on the trip was 
I was between Nashville and Memphis at a gas station, like truck stop kind of thing. And uh, I was in line and the guy in front of me clearly knew the cashier and they were having a conversation and I just sort of caught the tail end of it. And I hear the guy, by the way, the guy is dressed in a um, cowboy boots, um, big cowboy hat, big shiny belt buckle, like classic Southerner outfit. Uh, <laughs> and I hear him saying something like, well, well, I'm not going to give up mine either. And, and the lady's like, Mm-mm, no way I'm not. And they're having a conversation about, turning in their guns or not turning in their guns. I don't know if there's current legislation or, or changing of the regulations down here, but they were staunch gun supporters. And I hear them like, Oh, I ain't turning my hand. Oh, mm-mm, me neither. And I, <laughs> I step up and like, I'm from Canada. None of us have guns. And they kind of gave me a, an odd look like who's, who the heck is this guy? And, uh, and the lady was like, you don't. And I'm like, no, not really. Well, just hunters. Hunters have guns. And so we got in a, a nice, delightful conversation with the Canadian. I was complimenting on uh, them on their southern accents, and they were complimenting me on my wacky Canadian accent. Nice. Uh, and then the guy asked, he says, uh, he says, um, how you getting down to Texas? What are you driving? And I said, a Kia Rio. And he's like, oh, no, for Christ's sakes. It's like, you got no protection in one of those things. It's like, you might as well just shot yourself down the interstate with a rubber band. (laughs) But the the gas mileage is great. So (laughs) funny, his his outlook on life. And he's from, he was born in Texas as well. He's like, I'm Mm -hmm. from Texas, so I know what's what. Um, And, (laughs) but it's just funny to see different perspectives. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. If you were born and raised in Texas, then fuck yeah, you believe that everyone should drive pickup trucks and everyone should have guns. Um, it's not the world I was born into, so that doesn't necessarily resonate with me, but all the more respect to you if that's the world you live in and that's the world you live in. Um, and then he also warned me, he's like, he's like, oh, you'll see when you get down there, you walk into a Walmart, everyone will be open carry. They'll have hand, handguns on their <laughs> <laughs> which i have not seen yet so uh, oh wow i don't know if he was exaggerating or not but um i have not seen a single gun down here uh, at least in someone's hands or on their belt buckles anyways so huh. uh, but maybe i haven't gone to the right places yet so <laughs> everyone is super nice that southern uh, hospitality we had some amazing tex-mex last night the night before we had some incredible um uh, at a steak, uh, incredible food at a steakhouse. Everyone was super nice and super hospitable. So uh, certainly the the Southern hospitality, that stereotype is 100% true. Nice. Fun stuff. Yes. Nice. Um, but we've got a great episode today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about what to expect as an actor when you book uh, and come to the studio or via Zoom for an audition session. And we're also going to share five easy ways that you can up-level your auditions. Uh, and these are five things that we often are suggesting to, um, to actors in their auditions. Uh, obviously, the goal, you want every audition to be your best foot forward. You're a storyteller. you got to see that as an opportunity to tell a story uh, and to throw in your unique take on it. Um, and there's little things that, that, I mean, we can never guarantee or, or promise that, yeah, come book with us and, and you're for sure going to book the role. But what we can always guarantee is that wherever your audition came into the room at with your prep before the audition session, that by the time we've worked it with you, 
will have sprinkled some creative suggestions on you and and helped you dial in and dial up um, all of your storytelling. And there's a handful of ways that uh, you can do that, or more than a handful, but we're going to talk about five of them today. Uh, so my question for you, Brandon, and I'll let you lead lead this discussion since you've been running a lot of them recently, is um, I'm an actor. I've booked it. We talked in a prior episode, I think um, two episodes ago, uh, episode 76, we talked about how to book a, a session. Mm-hmm. I went through, went through the online booking process. But when someone arrives at the studio, walk them through how you personally run a session. I know some of our session directors run them differently, um, but I think you and I are very close to how we run our sessions with actors. So tell us about, uh, I'm an actor. What am I going to expect when I roll into the studio or when I connect with you via Zoom? Well, most of the time, Lars, you're going to be greeted by clapping. I like to greet everyone that comes into the studio with a clap because I think it really inspires people and it really, it gets people into that, uh, that, uh, applause sort of atmosphere and like that instantly I don't know that immediately puts me back on stage or uh, back to performing so I like I like to start off with that just so they they feel welcome like you get a good energetic hello but also you get that applause immediately you know we're on your team uh, that's, actually, then- yeah, that's a house rule that's a studio rule at Laughing Vikings and at Actors Audition Club and that stems, fun fact, that stems from my university years where our household, I always lived with five or six guys, uh, buddies, and we had a house rule of clap them in mm-hmm. and clap them out. And it was <laughs> the best feeling. You might come home from classes or away from, a, you come home from a weekend or maybe you come home after a night out at the bar and whoever was at the house, it was literally a house rule where we would clap them in and you'd walk into the foyer of the house and be like, oh, <laughs> get all the accolades. And then you get clapped out as well too. So, like and that. that's also a rule. When people leave, we're always clapping you out. Uh, and the other thing you didn't mention is when people come to the studio, um, we've rolled out the red carpet. There's literally a red carpet out front on the sidewalk and in the hallway as you enter the inside door of the studio with a fancy, nice red velvet rope. Um, because everyone loves that uh, red carpet experience. And, and as an actor, that's one of the, the things that you strive for is to get to the point where you're either at a, an awards ceremony or maybe the gala screening for your movie. And uh, you got all the paparazzi there popping off. Not that you're doing it for the paparazzi or the fame of things, but that's uh, if you reach the top level of success in this industry, you're going to be spending time on a red carpet. So we get people used to it here at Actors Audition Club, used to that red carpet experience. So they roll in, they walk up the red carpet, mm-hmm. they open the door, Brandon says, hey, how you doing? You ready to do this? Let's mm-hmm. rock and roll. Then what? Oh, Luna, Luna's getting excited. Right Luna's now. getting excited. She, yeah. you, usually you're greeted by Luna, but this time you're right. greeted by me. Um, <laughs> maybe a downgrade, but you never know. Um So then I will take you into the back room where we have the scrim, where we have the lights, where we have the camera. And then we first start with a rehearsal. So we just start with a rehearsal of either all the scenes that you're doing that day or of just one scene. And then we'll move on from scene to scene. What we usually do in sessions is what we'll do is we'll start with the first scene work that until we're happy with it, and then move on to the next scene. So most of the time for the 
for the take for the editing purposes of it, it's usually the last take that we film that we'll end up sending to the casting director or to your agent. Yeah. Um, then what we'll do is we'll probably be asking you a couple questions. Probably the main question would be, so what's your relationship with the person you're talking to right now? That would probably be the very first question I ask you. And depending on your answer, the next question will probably be, what are you fighting for? What do you want in this scene? What does your character need that they don't have right now? Then you'll probably be asked a third question of what just happened to lead you into this moment? And now I find these three, these three questions come from the first three guideposts in the audition book by Michael Shirtliff. Uh, the first guidepost is relationship. And with that, what we are taught with uh, Tom Totteroff is what is the strongest relationship in the scene and make sure that it is an emotional relationship. So what is your emotional connection to the person in the scene? The second guidepost is conflict. What am I fighting for? How am I meddling? Now, there's different ways of doing that. So there's different methods that you can go about fighting for what you want or um, there is different ways or different tactics of getting a thing that you want, and that is meddling. Then the third guidepost is the moment before. Every scene starts in the middle. We don't just begin at the st first line. There's something that's happened that has led you to this moment. Doesn't matter if your character is first walking into this into an apartment or into a situation, there's something that has led them to this moment. Either you were at the grocery store and the, the cashier was very unhappy with you or, or uh, very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Lars? Um, very difficult to work with. And so you want to have something that leads you into the scene so you're starting hot. So you're starting at a place where you can either build from there, from this moment just before of like, oh, I'm really upset with this cashier at the grocery store. And now, oh, I'm, I'm being greeted by my best friend Lars, who has a, who has a problem or, or something like that. And then once we're happy with the first scene, we'll move on to the second scene and so on and so forth. And what I like to do is I like to finish with the slate because I like the slate to be considered a little victory at the end of your tape so that you're happy, you're ready, and you're just like, hi, my name's Brandon Knox, I'm 5'10", and I live in Toronto, or whatever you need to say, whatever they've requested of you. So right. that would be your typical session, uh, especially in studio. That would probably be a standard in-studio session. Um, let's just, I just want to flush out a couple things and add to some of that. I love yeah. the idea of slating at the end. Often slates for actors feel, um, awkward and, and just rigid. And if you do them right at the top, then they're going to be even more so awkward because they haven't quite acclimatized to the studio and they haven't got into the rhythm of, of working. So saving it to the end, um, does make sense there. Um, you mentioned relationship too. Mm -hmm. one, one thing is um, finding the love is something that we're always taught. So, um, and maximizing that relationship. So if you're like, oh, I'm talking to my friend. Well, talking to your best friend is a better choice than talking to a random friend. 
Um, and so finding the love, maximizing the love. And it's also relationship is more than relationship to the to your scene partner. That's relationship to everything. So if in that scene you mention um, you mentioned the, the dinner that you're about to eat, you mentioned the lasagna, fucking love that lasagna. Or if it's your mother-in-law's lasagna and it's nasty as fuck then just that is the most disgusting, awful um, lasagna that you've ever had. So making your relationship to everyone and everything very, very clear. And just remembering what what's your job as an actor. Your job is to be a storyteller based on the circumstances of the script, but to be a storyteller and to illuminate the script. And so making strong choices so that the viewer, the audience, knows exactly how you feel about everything. Um, and that's what you want in real life, too. When you're meeting someone in real life, someone who's very interesting is someone who's, you know exactly what they're thinking and you know how they're feeling about everything. They're not wishy-washy or, or the worst is when they're just apathetic and you're like, I don't know if this guy's alive or dead. He feels the same about everything. Um, so being very intentional about how you feel about everything. Also, the opposite of love is hate, too. So finding the love but an opposite to that is are there things if, if there's something that you really dislike really dislike it instead of just being lukewarm on everything um you mentioned the moment before too another thing mm -hmm. that is useful in the moment before is just finding some secondary action what are you what are you doing what's bringing you into the scene if if you're if you're at, if you're at a desk, for example, maybe you're uh, you're typing out of frame, or maybe you're working on some paperwork, or just just something to get you into the moment. The main thing with that moment before is you don't want to be caught as an actor turning on, so that you're just standing there doing nothing as a as an actor, not as the character, and then all of a sudden. You, the, the audience or the casting people production see you flip on or off so that you've got those first few moments before to carry you into the scene and to repel you into the scene so that nobody is seeing, oh, this is an actor starting a scene. It's, it's like you mentioned, the scene's already started um, before action, ideally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, anything else? Oh, so let's talk about um, Zoom sessions. Anything different uh, for you when you're running Zoom? Uh, I make sure that their video is pinned. Most of the time, I will ask the same questions, and I will probably maybe adjust your framing or your lighting depending on what you have available to you. Um, I would still go scene by scene um, just because I think it's easier. And also, it, it's just easier to edit at the end. And also, you just, I, I want you to focus on the scene to make you feel accomplished. So that way, when you get to the second scene, and I, I really do like to focus on the very first scene. Because right. the very first scene really establishes who you are, how you'll react to your environment and everything around you, and how you feel about what will happen in the second scene, if that makes sense. Um, right. So that, that's what I would normally do. Um, unfortunately, with Zoom, we can't watch the tapes, but it is, it's very much we are able to feel it out and make sure that we have the right take, and it's just finding it at the end. 
Um, and, and just making sure that everyone feels feels comfortable and make sure that uh, your sound, your personal sound as the as the reader for the actor, make sure that your sound is good and your lighting is good so that they can see you so that you are really interacting with them. Because that's that's what we all crave as actors. We want that interaction. We want that 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 feeling that I am being supported by another actor. And just for clarity, too, you mentioned with Zoom sessions, we can't watch the takes. What you mean is normally in a studio session, anytime an actor wants to see the last take and put their stamp of approval or to just see what they can tweak and improve, mm -hmm. we'll just throw it up on the monitor and, and watch a take uh, whenever they want to if they feel that that was one they want to see. Mm -hmm. In Zoom, we're not able to watch it until we've ended the meeting yeah. and rendered the, the recordings. So we have to go a little more by feel there. Um, one, one thing, too, whether it's in studio or in, um, in Zoom, and we're going to talk about five simple tips. And if, if there's a six, this is a very simple one as well. And, and there's many, many tips we can give. Today, we're going to talk primarily about five. But the other one is just fixing eye lines. Yeah. Often, often people are throwing an eye line way out here instead of right here where you can see my eyes. Or even mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I'm starting with some kind of secondary action, if I start like I'm looking at something in my hand, say I'm looking on my phone. Well, what are you seeing right now to start the scene? As as the fade comes up to start the scene, you want on casting uh, and production to see my forehead as the as their first impression. Mm -hmm. So if I had a phone, it might be here so that you can see my eyes, and then you can see how maybe I'm whatever I'm doing. I'm flipping through Tinder or something, so you see my my. Um, my feelings in my eyes about what I'm seeing on the screen or I'm watching a funny video well yeah. if it's here and I'm just chuckling. You're not going to get any of that. So quickly fixing eye lines for people is one of the easiest thing. And I find it's often, um, it's often something that people neglect and, and they always, not always, but often make them much wider than, than they need to be. I was taught one time, like, it's really 90 degrees. If, if 360 is a full circle, mm -hmm. it's if right down the barrel is zero degrees or 360 degrees, it's 45 degrees this way, 45 that way. Yeah. Unless it's something really secondary or, or something really like, like that isn't part of the scene where I don't need, you don't need, you need to see my eyes or see how I feel about it because mm -hmm. the second I threw it out here, you're not seeing any of that, but if it's, no. if it's here, you can see all that. And also cheating, cheating eye lines for the ground too. You walk in and there's a dead body on the ground. Again, if I look down here where it would be in real life, you're just, you're going to see my forehead and you're not going to see my eyes. So I might cheat that. How's that right there? Does that look like I'm looking? That like looks good. And then you can see my eyes like, holy, holy shit. But yep. it, if I walk in and it's here, you're not going to see any of that. So, no. again, eyes are the windows to the soul. And, and we talk about close-ups making careers. And the reason the close-ups are so powerful is you can literally th see people's thoughts through their eyes. And you see their thought process into their eyes. And if casting and production can't see your eyes, that probably means they can't see your thoughts. They don't know what you're thinking, mm -hmm. which means you're really not telling the story. Uh, as as effectively as you could be so that that's a little a little tip for people there too um great so that's walk through um the studio sessions and zoom sessions and then one thing we'll just fill people in is typically 
at the end of a session within about 15 minutes we've snipped together the takes however casting wants it whether they want separate files or they want all the takes together with a slate or a slate separate mm -hmm. we'll throw some little fades in between them um, name them appropriately, whoever casting wants uh, wants it to be done. Really important, I would just say, too, when actors book, uh, either attach it when they book or email forward to us or bring us a printed copy of exactly what casting wants. Uh, often those those instructions vary differently. Like they, they, they can, it can be quite a difference between how people want them and it's just casting's personal preferences. But... Mm -hmm. Do they want them all separate? Do they want it all one file? Do they want the slate, front slate, tail slate? What do they want in the slate? Sometimes as simple as name, height, city, but nowadays it's name, height, city. If it's commercial, they might want to see your hands. Now they want to know your VAC status. Yep. Um, during the height of COVID, they wanted to know what city you're based in and where they expected you to be since uh, travel was restricted. So really nailing that, that's something that you want to make sure you do is follow instructions to a T so that there's no reason casting would start to be like, oh, is this guy going to be a problem on set? He can't even figure out these simple instructions. And if you, as an actor, if you bring that to us and let us know about that, we can make sure as we're submitting them that those are all done yeah. perfectly. Um, so that instantly the first impression is this guy's a pro. He follows directions. The file's named appropriately. It's it's uh, all the takes are set up the way you want it to be. Um, and they're like, man, this is going to be, if we cast this guy, it's going to be smooth sailing because he understands how to follow directions. Uh, and then within about 15 minutes that we've usually, we transfer those off to you, your agent and or casting wherever it needs to go. Mm -hmm. so the whole point of, of working with us on your auditions is so the only thing you need to work on as an actor is your actual performance and your yep. storytelling ability and we handle all the tech we handle all the camera work we handle all the editing we handle all the file transfer so literally as i know chris sandiford this is his favorite thing he's a regular at the studio is he just walks in does his thing between action and cut and walks out and doesn't have to think twice about any of the tech stuff and for anyone who's not that tech savvy, and I know there's a lot of people, um, maybe not to stereotype, but older actors, maybe are a little less internet and tech savvy and editing savvy. So that's something that people don't have to ever worry about. Uh, mm -hmm. But with us. Um, all right, we want to move into those five tips. Let's do it. So there's tons of ideas. Again, we, we always talk like, and I'll, I'll literally say this to an actor, especially when this is their first time, I'll say, we'll go scene by scene. We'll do a rehearsal. Uh, I often, I like to shoot rehearsals so that they can immediately see eye lines. And then I mm -hmm. can show them at the end of a session what their first take looked like versus the final take uh, after we've corrected things. And then I'll say um, at the end of a take, any creative ideas that I have, I'll offer them up. Feel free to take them or leave them. Obviously, it's your audition. It's your performance. It's your, mm -hmm. um, you're, you're in charge. But there's like it's one of my favorite things about helping actors with auditions is there's a there's I was going to say a million. Maybe that's uh, over exaggerating, but there's dozens of little things and little suggestions that we can tweak that will raise the bar and make sure that whatever level they were at when they came into the studio uh, by the end, they're they're much the, the, the audition is much, much stronger. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and speaking of that, Brandon just threw up the uh, the banner there. You can book your next self-tape audition session with us. You can uh, book it through our link in bio on Instagram or Facebook or go to laughingvikings.com slash links or directly to laughingvikings.com. You'll find it there. Mm-hmm. Um, real simple, and we talked about how to book a session. But let's talk about five simple tips to up-level your auditions. So these are these are a sample of... Five little things that we might suggest or say to an actor to uh, help improve their audition. So you want to talk about the first one? First one we have today is rate. So at different points in your audition, you can choose to speak faster or slower. So like for a faster example, maybe you're expressing an emotion that is being lodged deep down inside you. You're expressing your love to someone that you've never done that before. And so you're like, I really need to tell this to you right now. And I really do love you. See how you change the rate there. You've got a little faster. And then at the end, you slow down so that you can finally say the thing that you really need to say is, I love you. And like, it changes, it changes how you can um, use words. Words can be so fun if you really explore them and say them different ways, don't marry a way of saying a line because then it's so hard to find different things to do in a scene because if you're just practicing, I love you, I love you, I love you, it's, it sounds mechanical. It right. sounds, it, it's not pleasing. It's not a pleasing thing. I, I probably wouldn't cast someone if they monotone said use rate in different ways. Uh, do you have any ways of using rate, well, Lars? I, th- I think to talk about it overarching is is to make it real life. Tom, our our coach, uh, Tom Todoroft, often talks about um, uh, speaking at the speed of life, and mm-hmm. that speed of life, people don't follow punctuation. So that's a that's a huge trap. Is Often people's rate is reflecting of the punctuation. So if there's a period, they pause. If there's a comma, they pause. But in real life, they don't do that. I've said several sentences right now with punctuation, but I haven't paused for any of that punctuation. Um, and so it's just also people do change. If if you're just if it's slow, like you're you're just like you're at a loss for words or or um, looking for for how to say something and mm-hmm. even what to say. That might be a little slower, just as two quick examples. But the 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 reason you want to fuck with rate is in real life, people don't talk in a metronome type scenario. They don't just yeah. keep the same rate. And, and if they do, those are people that you don't want to listen to because eventually you just tune them out. And if you're a leading actor, you don't want to be tuned out. And if if halfway through a, an audition, casting is falling asleep or just bored to death because you're just doing like if it's just back and forth same mm-hmm. rate same tempo that's no good but um and you also want to be surprising as an actor as well so speeding up and slowing down um just like the vocal variation of of uh changing your inflection and your pitch and mm-hmm. and um and even volume all of that rate rate being just one way that you can change your vocal variation it, it'll, it's going to make your audition seem real and it's going to make you seem like a real human being um, who is able to surprise and unexpected. And you also need to think the, the casting directors and production, they know the words. Sometimes they wrote them. So if they see 50 or a hundred 
auditions and everyone's just reading to the punctuation. Everyone's just the same rate. None of those actors are going to stand out, but the actor that can bring it off the page by changing the rate, infusing it with some life, acting at the speed of life, making some adjustments where they're speeding up and slowing down. And, and this would also apply to voiceover auditions as well, too, or one of the simplest ways you can stand out is just pick, pick a sentence that you want to say a little faster and pick a sentence that you want to little, say a little slower or even words within a sentence. Um, obviously, the meaning is, is more important than just a random rate change. It's got to make sense to the storytelling. But those are two like just two little simple things that are going to make your audition stand out compared to a hundred other people who are following punctuation and keeping the same tempo the whole time. Mm -hmm. Number two is visual architecture. So what we mean by this is most of the time it's starting further back and then working your way closer and closer to camera to finish up with a close up. You can use this in several different ways. One, it can be used as an opposite for if you're telling someone, I can't be with you anymore, we need to break up, but you don't actually want to break up with them. So you're getting closer and closer to them because you really, really just need to be close to them. Even though you're saying, don't, I can't, I can't. Um, it also gives you a physical objective because if you're working your way from the back, where, where are the points that you step closer? How, how are you stepping closer? Are you, are you stepping closer by leading with your legs? Are you stepping closer by leading with your heart? Are you stepping closer by leading with your head? How, how are you doing these things? Always be asking yourselves these questions. Um, at the end, if you're ending up with a close-up, you want to you maybe not de-voice because we don't want to whisper, as, as Tom Todorov likes to say, it ruins, it ruins your vocal cords. But you do have to maybe soften your tone a little bit because you're getting closer to the mic. Uh, where where you're talking because most of the time the mic is either in the camera or around the camera so you want to like just lower your volume just slightly because because you're getting closer um, now I do like to say to actors you can't back down in performances because especially it like if you're if you're walking closer to someone and then you step back that means something. That means you're uncomfortable with the situation. That means that you don't feel like you have the power. And like, we innately do this stuff in everyday life. We innately will just step back or just step forward. And like, it's not something that we consciously think of. But as an actor, you need to consciously be thinking of these things so that you have specific choices of when you're stepping forward or when you're stepping back. If you do need to step back or the story says that you should step back at a certain point, why? Is it because you're receiving some deflating news? Maybe maybe someone you love has just gotten cancer. Then you're being told this by the doctor and you're like, oh, and you, you realize this and it, and it lets you sink in. As we said before, have the thoughts, have all these thoughts going on because the closer you are to camera, the more your thoughts are picked up. And it's so important. It's so important for film auditions. 
Do you have anything to add to visual architecture, Lars? Yeah, just just the overall again is 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 it storytelling and often this is one of the beautiful things about self-tape auditions is you have control over camera. When it was an audition in the room, you didn't have control. You mm -hmm. were lucky enough to ask or be told um, how they were shooting you, yep. but you might not know. Do they have you in a medium? Do they have you in a wide? Um, you could certainly ask that if you want to, but you know in a self-tape and, and you you get to the, the choice in how you tell the story. So it, it's storytelling. And often the instructions are just head and shoulders. And I think a massive mistake, and it's it's a it's a creative mistake or lack of creativity is what it is to just plant your feet and be a talking head, head and shoulders, and think that all I need to do is just say the words as they're written, and that's going to be compelling enough out of ten thousand submissions that you're going to be chosen just somehow randomly without moving and without changing anything. Um, so yeah, you have the opportunity. Um, we 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 often refer to them as viewpoints too. So if mm -hmm. there's if there's a physical moment, say the scene is at um, say the scene's at a dance, for example, or it's at like a wedding scene for a Hallmark movie, you mm -hmm. can start in a wide like you're at the party, and that gives you a chance to do a little dance move or a little spin or just something creative that could tell the story. And then if the scene is between you and a loved one or or a potential love mate. Then, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, you can press forward at that at that moment where it's are you going to kiss her? Are you not going to kiss her? And you're right there versus standing there in a medium head and shoulder shot and never moving forward or never moving back. There's no step storytelling there. So finding those moments where you can tell a story by your uh, by your body. It's like acting is vocal and it's physical. Our bodies and our voice are our instrument. Yes. And if and if you're not using like the equivalent of not doing this stuff is like playing the piano and playing two notes where you've got all 88 keys, but you're just doing the same thing. You're not moving and you're not changing your voice at all. And then you're expecting somehow magically they're going to be like, oh, yeah, get this guy's going to be amazing. Well, you haven't mm -hmm. shown them anything. So you haven't shown them any creative choices and nothing about that is going to stand out. Um, so, yeah, finding finding those moments for the wides also things like your entrances and exits those are the times that give you an opportunity like um we're we're often taught if you if i leave frame here and then pop in because i forgot something in, mm -hmm. a, in a little closer that that's enough of a surprise that it's likely going to be kind of funny mm -hmm. uh, so that finding those cre creative things and, and not being afraid to make those creative choices. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, what if they don't like that? Or is that what they want? It's like you can do whatever you want as long as it's justified somehow by the script. Um, but also you're a creative human being and you're a creative storyteller. So that's on you to, to bring that to the table. And we always see our auditions as an opportunity to perform and as your opportunity to shoot a little short film. Um, so how would you make that more interesting? You can make it more interesting by these viewpoints and by changing things up as, as is justified by the script. Like I, the, the press in, I, I love that. Or, or even finding, you can find multiple positions so I can enter, I can, you can't quite see me here, but, um, I can enter in a wide spot, seize the person I want to talk to. Oh, there he is. Then I can come to here for 
my main position for the bulk of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I can take one final step in if I need to show a little aggression or a little extra love. I can finish that in a close up. So then all of a sudden the storytelling is you got a moment before entrance like pop popping in. Oh, where is he? There he is. Come in here, have the conversation. That's three different viewpoints that I've shown rather than the actor who stands here in a medium head and shoulders shot and doesn't move. It's like, what's going to be more compelling? What tells a better story? Obviously, the one that shows a little versatility and a little variety is going to be more interesting to watch. So, yeah, it's a yeah. great tip and super simple, but it's got to follow the script and it's got to make sense. And the other thing that I would just add to that is um, the worst is movement that's not justified so yeah. when you move you want to move with purpose move when it's justified by the lines by the words like uh, hamlet's advice to the players suit the action to the word and the word to the action mm-hmm. um and so someone someone who's got jittery feet and is just doing this this it's very confusing and it's distracting or sometimes people uh tend to move a little back and forth it's like plant your feet and then move when it's appropriate to the script and to the scene only. Um, And if there's no justification to move, then don't move, stay still. And there's also, there is a lot of power in that stillness too. So don't think that you got to move like crazy. Sometimes the the best thing you can do is just be perfectly still. And that's going to land, especially if it is at the end of a scene or at the end of a dramatic moment or a love moment find that spot where you can just do nothing but be still and have the thought and that's going to be super powerful yeah all right number three is humor now humor is guidepost number four in the audition book by michael shirtliff now what we mean by that and what you can use in your scenes to apply different humor and humor can be used in so many different ways. It can be used when you're flirting with someone. It can be used when you're teasing someone. It can be used when you're taunting someone. And these all go into guidepost number 13, which isn't in the audition book by Michael Shirtliff. It was created by Tom Totteroff and Michael Shirtliff later on when they began working together. Um, so those, these are all things that bleed into different guideposts. Um, and it can also show that, that you're uncomfortable in a situation because la- like, especially with laughter, maybe like you're trying to convince yourself that I, I am comfortable in a, in a very uncomfortable situation. And like you're, you're, you're prepping or, or you're pumping yourself up or, and I find that laughter begets more laughter. So like if you're if you're laughing at a certain point, like maybe maybe the the character that you're speaking opposite of says a joke. Like if that's your best friend, you're gonna laugh at that joke. That's a funny joke. Or or like if, if they've done something in a humorous way, or if they've done a, a Schadenfreude sort of event or something like that. The more you add these different moments into your audition, it will elevate your human level because you're becoming more, you're being a human being in that situation. Like I I laugh all the time to a either make myself more comfortable in a situation or to uh, establish a relationship with somebody else. Or if I'm flirting with somebody else, or if I'm taunting somebody else, these all 
these different tactics add to your audition. And it's why laughter is such a powerful tool to use in your audition or humor in general. Um, But like those sorts of moments really do add and really elevate something that you're doing. And it's a great moment before. It's a great moment before that you're laughing into. Oh, but what are, what were you saying before about Jake and his obsession with dogs? <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> so yeah. like these things can really bring out a new moment and really find new things and really, and, and it, it makes you happy to laugh most of the time. And like, if you're laughing, a lot of the time, somebody else is laughing as well. And like that really helps with casting because you're like, I like this guy. I really like how fun he is. I really like how fun the scene is because you're applying humor. You're laughing. You're having fun. Um, Do you want to add to any humor, Lars? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk a a little bit about um, some things that Tom says. He talks about funny is money, charming is disarming. And think about Mm -hmm. it in life. Who are the people that you like to be around? It's not the people who are fucking dead serious about everything and they're just the drollest people ever. And you're like, oh, my God, why don't you just kill yourself? Like, seriously. Uh, It's people who bring charm and they bring levity. So it's um, and there's different ways to do that, obviously. Um, And we're not talking just about jokes or funny faces per se it's it can be playful viewpoints it can be opposites like one of the simplest things is is an opposite of nodding on no or being like yes i like just (laughs) any opposite like that it's it's game playing and role playing too if you're telling a story and you're you're describing what someone else said to you. It's putting on a little voice. That's something that human beings do. And that's why stand-up comedians are as funny and as compelling as they are, where you can watch a stand-up comic do an hour and a half just by themselves and with a microphone. It's because they're doing these little act outs and these little breakouts where they're using different voices. Um, so finding those moments, um, yeah, it's just, and it's, it's also undeniable too. It's, there's, it's 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 one of the challenge with quote unquote dramatic work is like well how do you know if it's really working uh, and the guideposts really help but if it's something that's supposed to be comedic or even if it's not supposed to be comedic a laugh is a laugh it's undeniable so if you're the casting director or the production and the actor does something that's unexpected and all of a sudden you laugh that's proof positive. It's so you can't laugh and then be like, that wasn't funny. It's, no, you laugh. Just like if you go to see a stand-up comic and if an entire audience is laughing at the joke, well, you can't then go, you can't really say that guy wasn't funny. It's like, well, if he wasn't funny, then why did 300 people laugh at everything he said? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's proof positive. Like there's, there's, there's no denying laughter and humor and it makes everyone feel better. And you, you never met someone that made you laugh that you didn't feel good about really. So it's just, it's just one of those things. It's so powerful. And I think people, people shy away from it thinking it's going to be too much or too big. Um, But it's, and it's, it's mining the script. So where are those moments where you can find it? Even if it's not written, Michael Shirtliff in his book always talks about the negative is always written on the page. So uh, often there's negative. And if you take it literally, it's a real negative thing, mm-hmm. but you can say 
you can say some horrible shit with a smile on your face and all of a sudden it's hilarious. Um, so you can find those opposite moments and you can really mine a script and all of a sudden your take on something where you find the positive, you find the love, you find the humor, mm -hmm. you can take a scene that on paper looks like a miserable argument between two people and all of a sudden it's a real funny meet cute between two people that's really charming and delightful to watch instead of on paper which is how a lot of actors will decipher things is they'll take everything literally with no sub subtext or not realizing oh okay this is a guy and a girl who are meeting so maybe they're just these are playful jabs not literal uh disses so just finding those opportunities to to bring humor and bring levity and and if you think about that in the grand context of the world there's a lot of negative shit in the world right now um so just just the fact that a casting director or a producer is going to watch you and have their day lightened and lifted a little bit by some funny viewpoints or some funny moments that you found that other actors didn't mm -hmm. that's going to make their life and their day a little better which may mean that they want to cast you in that role because they're thinking oh shit maybe having this guy or girl on set for three weeks is going to be really fun and that's going to make all of the other horrible things in the world that are happening right now feel a little less uh, prominent and and I'm going to enjoy my time on set with this person rather than watching the news or thinking about their divorce or whatever, whatever might be going on in their life. Mm -hmm. So number four is discoveries. What is new? What has never happened to you before in this scene? What is um, something that you can find in your scene. Like uh, Lars did a great example of it earlier when he discovered the body and he was like, <gasps> and like the easy things to do just to get that moment so that it means so much more. Because if, if it's new for you, it's new for us too, right? Anything to add to discoveries, Lars? Well, yeah, I think it happens so often in scenes and people don't re register it. Like if anytime you're coming to find someone like you're 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 entering an office or you're entering a party, um, a lot of the times on a first take, you'll see someone walk in and they just walk in and the person's just there. Mm -hmm. There's no like they're not scanning the room and then finding them or they're scanning the room and then there's a little double take. Uh, there's 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 often none of that or it's. um it's finding something in the room that you notice. It might be scripted that you notice it, but then you just like, you just look at it or rather than actually naturally like scanning the room and, Oh, what's, what is that? And then you actually see me see it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's finding those moments and there's beats in scenes where if you miss that beat, casting is going to see that. Well, we didn't even see them. Like you're looking for the woman of your dreams. The second you see her, we better fucking see you see her. Yes. Or you're 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 seeing this this person that you've never met before and you're just your jaw drops when you see them because they're so amazing. It's like, yeah, we, th that's a, a discovery and a, and a moment and a viewpoint that we need to see in mm -hmm. casting and production. Um, and the other thing about discoveries is that's often what makes um, there's a danger in acting, especially with prep, is you hear, you hear the term where. Um, yeah, acting is great. Just don't be caught doing it. Like you don't <laughs> want to look like it's a performance. Mm -hmm. And 
if you don't have those little moments that those are the moments that make something seem real where where that's a spot it's it adds some spontaneity to it i guess is is the is the lesson is having that discovery of oh boom there's something that you that you saw in the moment in real time versus you pre-planned it you pre-meditated it you pre-rehearsed it a thousand times and it's just there and mm -hmm. you miss that moment of of having that genuine discovery and it's it's, it's just a simple simple way that you can up level your performance and you can cross that line of being an actor acting to just being a person who's just being a human being. Mm -hmm. And a great question to add to that is what do I expect to happen when I reveal something and what do I, what does actually happen? Because we're always fighting for a dream. We're always fighting for something bigger than ourselves or something bigger than the scene in general. So what do you expect when you say, I love you, Sally? You expect her to say, I love you too, Brandon. But right. then you get a thank you. And how does that make you feel? What does that discovery make you? How does that get you going into the next point in the scene it, it it comes back to justification really right that that what you just mentioned is the the obvious discoveries are visual discoveries that's real easy to, to find something to find a person to see an object but the other discovery is new information as well mm -hmm. new information told to you that changes everything in the yes. scene where and that 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 often is a big beat change in the scene as well if you're looking like well where does this scene change uh, you don't want the scene to just be the same all the way through. So often that discovery of new information or if it's um, like a crime drama type thing, someone tells you this brand new piece of evidence. Well, now that changes everything because, oh, shit, it's not the guy I thought who did it. It's that guy like that uh, epiphany type moment um, is is the is the type of moment that you're looking for with discoveries. Yes, exactly. And to round off this discussion, we have number five, buttons. The button, which oh. which often relates to humor as well. And in in yes. my opinion, if if you can if you can find an extra last moment where you can get a little laugh from casting something mm -hmm. unexpected, but the way you want to think of it is not how can I get a random laugh. It's if the director didn't yell cut. What comes next? And often yes. when you are on set, you shouldn't like you're not cutting you're, you as the actor are not the person to be like, OK, scene done, cut um, and scene like you're not actually doing that in, in real life on set. Mm -mm. So continue to play the scene out. And and it's a great way to stand out. It's a great way to show that you're creative, that you've mm -hmm. got some improv chops. Often, if it's something that works like and I would say only add it when you know it works. Um, and so you might have to have some comedic sensibility to do that, which some people have, some people don't have as strong as others. But if you have an instinct and you're like, Ooh, I like that, then go with it and get that last line, especially if your character maybe doesn't have a ton of lines or doesn't have the last line. Yeah. Give yourself the opportunity and don't worry about it that it's like, Oh, well, it's not scripted. Guess what? They can cut it. Um, but the fact that casting sees you 
add to it and enhance and and lift up a scene or even the writers or producers directors might be like oh shit we can just let the camera roll and let this guy roll and he's gonna come up with things that are as good or better than than the script now you got to be careful with that because you want to treat the writing like hallowed ground and often the writer is the showrunner or one of the producers or the writer might be watching your audition so you don't want to stomp all over their writing but adding one more line at the end of it is one of the easiest ways to do things um, and it doesn't have to be a it doesn't even have to be a line it could be something physical that you do it can just be a last look but really the 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 the, the point is paying real close attention just if like the moment before what leads you into the scene? What takes you out of the scene at the end? What is your it's your it's your first impression and your last impression. People are going to remember the beginning and they're going to remember the end. And often when I'm looking at my takes, I'm often choosing what I feel is the best take and the take I'm going to submit almost solely based on the opening beat and the closing beat. And the middle is kind of the middle. If mm -hmm. I love something or maybe something is not quite as strong or exactly how I wanted. I don't ever want to submit, certainly the if the opening beat and the opening moment and the opening line isn't bang on and really strong and I made a strong choice and the end isn't strong, mm -hmm. I'm probably not wanting to use that take. If there's something off in the middle, I can get away with that and be okay with it. But it's the beginning and the end and that's psychological, something called the, the, the primacy and recency effect is the phenomenon of you can go to a, an hour long thing and you're going to remember the opening and you're going to remember the closing. If you have yeah. a conversation with something, you're going to with somebody, you're going to remember the first thing they said to you and the last thing. And then the middle is kind of the middle and it's a little bit of a jumble. Mm -hmm. um, but just really focusing on that. And then as a as a comedian and having a sense of that, that's one of my favorite things. Running sessions is, ooh, what about this? And just feed one last line mm -hmm. as as the scene is ending before you fade on it or even fading on that last line. So you're you're fading and closing out the scene, but getting that last word or that last look or that last yeah. point in there. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a lot of stories of people that have added a button and it has been added into the script and they've gotten reoccurring roles that were only supposed to happen for one, maybe two episodes. And now they have a reoccurring role just because of some button that they added that has become a character trait of theirs on the show. Yeah, and it's just having the confidence to do that, seeing yourself as a storyteller, seeing yourself as a creative person mm -hmm. and going into that audition is what do I have to offer? For me, that's part of what I offer as an actor is the ability to improvise and the ability yep. to, to enhance a script with my own thoughts and my own words. And that's what leading actors do. Now, if you're if you're um, if you're auditioning for a functionary character, like you're the you're the bellhop or the concierge or the hot dog man or the taxi driver, and it's just real quick and it's really not about you, you might be a little more ju judicious in your in your use of that. But I would still say, if it's something that you feel works and you have the instinct and the thought, then I would still include it. Maybe not always. Like if you're going to submit two or three takes, you might do one as scripted only, just to be like, I want to show casting and production that I can do it their way. And then have a little creative liberty in your in your other two. But again, for me, it's if you're if you're buying me and you're going to pay for me as a performer and as a creative person, then that's what you're getting. So I want to be showing casting and production that 
part of my value on set is I'm going to find these buttons and I'm going to find extra, um, extra humor possibilities that are not scripted. Um, and don't be afraid of that. And I know that a lot of people are afraid, like, oh, what do they want? Oh, I, am I allowed to say something that's not in the script? Well, yeah, you can. You don't want to stomp all over their writing and you don't want to put it all in your own words. But if you're 99% bang on book and then you add something hilarious at the end that gets a laugh across the board from production, that's not going to go like no one's going to be like, oh, that was hilarious, but it wasn't in the script. So eh, you you can't get cast like that's never going to happen. So just trusting that. Um, trusting in your creativity and trusting that if you have a strong idea to offer it up there and they can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that's the most important thing is adding those personal elements that like make you, you, because there's no one else like you in the world. And so yeah. make it unique to you because then no one else is doing it like that. And the great thing about a button is no one else is going to do it. If, if they're watching 100 audition tapes, mm -hmm. well, everyone hopefully is going to say all the words in the script. So if you're the one person who says a certain thing that's really fits, and again, it's got to fit. So don't just yeah. say it to say it. But mm -hmm. if they didn't say cut, what is the next thing that your character could or would say? Throw that in there. And by default, you're going to stand out because you're the only one who did it because it wasn't on paper. It was your own thought. It was personalized mm -hmm. uh, and it was something very unique to you. Yes. And that's going to stand out. Be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that said the thing at the yeah, the, that guy. Let's have him. Yeah. Put mm -hmm. him in the, in the callback pile. Yeah, easy. exactly. It's easy. Yeah. Easy stuff. That's, easy tips. That's, that's one of the uh, the uh, all of this. This is one of the reasons why getting help with a professional a self-tape studio and working with other actors and pros versus working with a family member. Um, these are ways that we can enhance that. And maybe you might not have thought of that yourself, but always two brains are better than one and, and um, two creatives are better than one. So mm -hmm. you can bounce these ideas off and, and you can even do a take, do a take where you do it. And if it doesn't feel appropriate or if you don't think you could sell it or pull it off, then, then, Maybe you don't use it, but yeah. take the shot. And if it works, it works. And then you get to keep it. And it's going to be something that's super unique. Um, we had, did, did you flash those um, comments up on screen there earlier? I did, but you can, you can talk about them. Yeah. Wayne, I don't know if we, do I know Wayne? Wayne, the great Bigfoot. Uh, he says, Vikings. And then he says, I am the great Bigfoot. All right. I don't know what that means. He's got big feet. I'm yeah. um, size 13. I don't know if that counts as a Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> thank you for watching, Wayne, the great Bigfoot. Um, we found him. We found Bigfoot. We found Bigfoot. Here he is. He apparently, Bigfoot was not in the forest somewhere in the Northwest. He was on Twitch. Yeah. Bigfoot is on Twitch. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's everything for today. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, people are aware that Comedy Alley will be opening soon, too. So if you have not done so, go to laughingvikings.com slash comedy alley. You can join our VIP list where you'll get notified of the next shows that we book when we release the dates. And being on that list will get you 50% off your first tickets. So go to laughingvikings.com slash comedy alley. Join the VIP list. Get 50% off those tickets. We've got some of the funniest comedians in Canada regularly performing in comedy alley. 
And as soon as the weather is consistent enough, we'll be starting up our shows again. So make sure you got those tickets. And as always, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We do an episode every week. We, we go live on Tuesdays and we release the new episodes on Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. And for the actors who are watching, you want to book an audition session with us. You can do that at laughingvikings.com slash links. Uh, and again, we should let people know. I know some people have missed our audition hero training uh, where we spent three days helping actors step into their role, their, step into their dream role as an audition hero. If you missed that training, you can access all three recordings. Uh, you can get the replays, instant access to that by going to laughingvikings.com slash audition hero. We had actors all over the world join us for that. Uh, and many of them ended up joining Actors Audition Club after that training. But you can access that training for free at laughingvikings.com slash audition hero. And we'll help you finally step into your dream role in 2022. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. Have a fantastic week or March break, depending on what you're doing. Keep up the great work. And we will see you in studio or over Zoom. We can do it anywhere. All right. Goodbye, All goodbye, right. goodbye. Clap them out, everybody. Clap them out. Great job. That's a wrap on the BK Broiler, everyone. Clap them out. Clap them out.